0: We can bring it from high head-level mindset conversation right down to the practical, like what are the specific steps we took? Yeah. Uh, I, I want to go back to the first three words you said in your question, which is we were told. Yeah. We were told to get a day job. We were told to get a college degree. We were told to get all this student loan debt. We were told to get a 401k. We were told. And no doubt, that's exactly why I did what I did many of the same steps that I took was because I was told, hey, this is what you should do. It shocked me when I realized that it's all a grand experiment. Case in point, the 401k, The what we all think was uh, the mainstay of American retirement for centuries, is so young it's not even old enough to retire yet. It's 41 years young this year. It's almost a millennial itself. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You are tuning in to For Better Self and Net Worth Podcast. This is a podcast where I encourage you to live the life of your dreams by adopting the right mindset, navigating through tough challenges, and respecting your bank account. I interview entrepreneurs and empire builders from across the globe as they share how they have come to live the lives of their dreams and the challenges they had to break through. I also have a few solo episodes where I talk about the lessons learned and navigating in a world full of naysayers, negative mindsets, and money grabbers. I personally believe that attitude is everything. And with the right attitude, you can get the life that you dream of. I'm so glad you're on this journey with me. If you're listening, make sure you have hit the subscribe button. And on Apple, give me some love by leaving a review. Most of all, I hope every episode you hear on here leaves you inspired and on fire to live your best life without breaking the bank. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to For Better Self and Net Worth. We talk about money management. We talk about living our best life and going going for our dreams talking about self-worth and net worth from a holistic method. And today we're going to focus on the net worth as I have an expert with me on the show today. I have Mark Willis. Mark Willis is a certified financial planner. He is a three-time number one best-selling author, the owner of Late Growth Financial Services. It's a firm in Chicago, and he is the co-host of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. So, really grateful to have Mark and his expertise on the show today. So Mark, welcome. And would you like to tell everyone a few things about yourself and how you got to where you were? Well, thank you very much. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And yeah, be happy to. We've uh, certainly come a long way. Uh, We, My wife and I, we met in college and we graduated at the very fortuitous time of 2008. And uh, just right when the world was at its very best, you know, when everyone was, it was all sunshine and rainbows uh, and it was, you just fall off the log and get your full-time job. And yeah, no, none of that. <laughs> we had a, a a real go of it right as we were getting started in our young adult life. And for the last 12 years or so, you know, it's been a bull market wild ride. But I think now as we're entering the end of 2022, as we get into 2023 and beyond, I think folks are going to realize that markets don't always go up, that um, people aren't always hiring hand over fist, Uh, and you know sometimes it might make sense to think strategically about the what ifs in your life, and you know to to realize really that you've got you've only got so many choices you can make. You've only you're handed a certain number of days on this earth, uh, and you got to make. A smart choice with the finite amount of resources that we all are given. So yeah. Anyway, we, my wife and I, we stumbled out of college with no plan to pay off the mountain of debt we created. It was over one hundred and twenty thousand dollars of debt uh, that we had accumulated, and the worst part was not the debt payments, not the interest, not the just the monster of a of a debt that we had to pay off. The worst part was we had no plan. And we had no focus on this thing called money. It was just sort of out there. And we had to decide, are we are we going to just let this thing absorb us and eat us alive? Or are we going to try to tackle it and fight back? And I'm so glad we decided to fight back. Uh, and we were, I think, we were swinging a very dull axe at it at the beginning. But as time went on, we started to think a little more strategically, a little smarter about how can we not just pay off the debt, but how can we have life after debt how can we be better than debt-free? How can we start building assets as early as possible uh, so that we can enjoy a financially stress-free future? So that's sort of my story in a nutshell. Uh, we ended up stumbling into that uh, strategies that uh, have helped now hundreds of our clients around the country. I've had the great privilege of working with business owners, real estate investors, NFL Super Bowl champions, even uh, nice. but most yeah yeah it's true but uh, you know honestly most of the people we get to work with are just candidly they're just wanting to move upstream financially they're sick and tired of being pushed around they feel like they tell me they say they feel like a the a tennis ball floating down the gutter of life but they want to have that sense of agency that sense of control when the markets or politics or geopolitical forces or whatever the federal reserve or interest rates are are changing the thermostat, they want to be able to create their own thermostat and create a future that they can feel confident in.
1: So you work with NFL football players. Is it true that most NFL football players go bankrupt?
0: Well, that's true. And in fact, uh, as we're recording this, it it appears that there was a $1.2 billion lottery ticket that was sold with the winning numbers on it yesterday. And there's not a lot of difference between lottery winners, NFL uh, players, and you and me. Here's the thing. It all starts with our beliefs, and I have a, a little acronym I use called the Bear Trap. B E A R, and the B stands for beliefs. And the reason why most of us go bankrupt, if we whether we win a lottery ticket or we get an NFL uh, uh, salary, or if we just get a pay raise at work, we generally have a certain belief about what we are worth. Now, this goes right to your title for better self and net worth. Because if I believe I can only make 75000 bucks a year and my boss gives me a raise and starts paying me ninety, I will find a way to either spend that money fruitlessly or get myself demoted or fired because it's all in the beliefs. The B stands for beliefs. <clears throat> and so if I have a certain belief about money, like all rich people are crooks or I don't deserve it or you know, money is the root of all evil, or whatever my internal belief is, I will then live out those beliefs and make excuses. So E stands for excuses. I will make excuses about why I didn't get that job, or why I didn't land that client, or why I am not worth the pay raise I was just given. And then I'll lead myself into destructive actions. So A stands for actions. And those actions lead to disappointing results. R stands for results. So B-E-A-R, belief, excuse, actions, and results. That is the bear trap that we all get stuck in. And it's why we stay broke. But it's also, uh, there's also some solutions in there on a mindset level of how we can fix it.
1: I love that. So beliefs, excuses, actions, and results. Correct. That that is a terrific acronym. And I, you know, Almost every book I've read, every motivational podcast I listen to, it talks about the importance of beliefs. And I don't think I fully observed that until my early 30s. That a lot yeah. of what is happening around me is what I believe.
0: Absolutely. So- yeah, it's it, it's uh, it, it it can be a little woo woo at the beginning, but I promise there is some real world tactical application to this. Uh, what we believe is what we experience. There's literally infinite amounts of information. Uh, this is why history books are inherently um, biased. Because, you know, if if we tried to truly write a history of Charlemagne or Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and and we didn't come at it with a bias, our history books would be infinitely large because we'd have to write down. What they ate for breakfast on Tuesday, November 1st, or whatever, you know, we would have to write down every little detail of their entire life. And so we have to make choices about what we're going to report on, what we're going to say, how we're going to report the history, what events are more important than other events. And that's true with our own life as well. We interpret the experience around us. Uh, and you know, it's this beautiful picture of like, we've got this incredible mind that can do so much and it can change literally our surroundings. Uh, And this is me coming from a certified financial planner background that, yeah, you have an ROI in your brain uh, if you know how to access it. Your return on investment of that little uh, four pound knot of neurons in our heads can be quite astounding if we know how to access that asset in our heads.
1: Now, was this something that you experienced when you, you said you graduated in 2008. So you're kind of in the same age range as the listeners and myself, you, you graduated with some odds stacked against you, just like a lot of millennials Now, millennials kind of get the blame for the crashing economy, the crashing house market, the death of chain restaurants, just about anything and everything. But we have a lot stacked up against us. We're experiencing a change in the job market. We see a lot of companies don't keep people for 30 years anymore. And the, one of the biggest obstacles, and I didn't even talk about this last time, but it was the amount of debt that most millennials graduate with. We're told that we need to go to college to get a four-year degree to have a decent job. Then we graduate only to find out that, you know, people who work in HVAC, plumbing, a lot of there's a lot of STEM jobs that don't even require a four year degree, but they're making more money than us. So we're seeing the job market change for what we're told. And the question I want to ask is what are some of the approaches that you took graduating in 2008 and being a millennial, being in that statistic to get out of debt and be able to grow wealth, have your own business, be a three time bestselling author? what are some of the steps you took to get yourself out of debt and be able to invest?
0: Well, yeah. So we can bring it from high head level mindset conversation right down to the practical, like what are the specific steps we took? Yeah, Uh, I want to go back to the first three words you said in your question, which is we were told. We were told to get a Day job. We were told to get a college degree. We were told to get all this student loan debt. We were told to get a 401k. We were told. And no doubt that's exactly why I did what I did. Many of the same steps that I took was because I was told, hey, this is what you should do. It shocked me when I realized that it's all a grand experiment. Case in point, the 401k the what we all think was uh, the mainstay of american retirement for centuries is so young it's not even old enough to retire yet it's 41 years young this year it's almost a millennial itself the
1: <laughs> and, and right About that yeah and 401k has i feel like anybody that's looked at their 401k recently including myself is about to have a heart attack with the the changes made
0: got it yeah yeah it's a it is a um Def-defying experience to open up that account statement right now. But uh, yeah, we we were told to get those student loans, and we were told it was good debt. And then suddenly, it was good debt for who? For Sally Mae, maybe. For the government, maybe. But what about for my wife and I? What about for our family? What about for our future? It was stifling the business that we wanted to start. It was like a monthly payment we didn't ask for. I jokingly say I married two women in college. I married my wife and I married Sally Mae. And (laughs) we wanted to get her out of the relationship. So how did we do it? At first, we followed a very popular method known as the debt snowball method. This is where you list out all of your debts on a sheet of paper and you you keep current on all the debts except the except one account, and, and that one account you attack with a vengeance, and you try to pay that one off, and then you run after the next debt and do the same thing, and you snowball your payments. You just keep getting bigger and bigger payments thrown on your debts. That's what we started doing. Now, that was um, how we started paying off our debts, but we realized about halfway through that there was a dramatic and dangerous problem with that process. But first of all, do you have any uh, experience with the debt snowball method or ever heard about it before?
1: I did actually. I can proudly say that I had a few years ago paid off over $10,000 worth of consumer debt using the debt snowball method. Now, a lot Mm -hmm. of people would argue that the avalanche method was better because you're paying off the higher interest debts first, but I feel like money management is more about the habits than it is about the math.
0: Mm-hmm. If I was
1: yep. really doing the math and the debt, I probably wouldn't have gotten there in the first place.
0: <laughs> Good point. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. So, and I totally agree with you mathematically versus avalanche for a snowball. Well, I'm going to throw one more on the pile here and I'm going to call it the debt snow bank method. And when I discovered this strategy for paying off my debts, it changed everything with how the uh, debts were paid and not just how they get out of debt, but how to build real wealth at the exact same time.
1: I so let me that. set the stage. Building, yeah, Building wealth and paying off debt at the same time.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. The biggest issue like a lot this. of our clients uh, bring to me is, Mark, hey, I've got all this debt, but I also know that I'm in my 20s or my 30s and I really want to start saving. I don't want to lose these important years. And they're smarter than, my, uh, than I, I, I. I point out their brilliance because I was going through my student loans, just throwing money at the problem, pouring money into a hole. And I didn't have that aha moment until years later. When I realized that I was in my youngest years and my dollars in my pocket were more valuable than they ever would be again. Because here's the thing. When you pay cash for something, whether it's an ice cream cone or a coffee or a student loan payment or a car, that dollar that you spent is gone forever. Not just that dollar, but also whatever that $1 might have grown for you and earned for you had you not spent the dollar and left it invested somewhere instead. So for example, a a $30,000 car over your lifetime, the car is only $30,000, but over your lifetime, the the true value of those $30,000 might have made an extra $200,000 of difference in your retirement years. Do you see the point that I'm making there? Yes. So it's the opportunity cost that really shook me to my core about halfway through this project of paying off this mega amount of debt the opportunity to continue to grow that money. I was throwing that money out and I tried to make sense of it. I couldn't find a way to do it until somebody showed me a strategy. Now I have to stop for a second and say, as a certified financial planner, I don't just you know tell everybody to go do the same thing I did. I have to understand their situation. I usually have a one-on-one advisory consultation, a strategic brainstorming session to get to know you in your particular situation and every goal and to, and every financial tool in the toolbox uh, is not appropriate for everybody. So with that little disclaimer out of the way, I stumbled across a whole life insurance policy, whole life insurance. And when I first heard about whole life insurance, I immediately heard several different radio hosts, you know, kind of in the, in the echo chambers of my brain telling me to run. But I, I stopped and I listened and I tried to open my mind. In fact, the guy who shared it with me, he was a college professor of mine. And he was probably feeling a little uh, uh, guilty for helping encourage me to take out all that debt. But he was sitting there in my living room saying, Mark, is it possible that Dave Ramsey could be wrong about something? And you have to understand, I was a Dave Ramsey disciple. Man, I had like envelopes in my wallet. I listened to his yeah. show every single day. I was all in.
1: He does make a lot of great points, but I don't he sure think does. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, unless you're, and here's my thing, unless you have disposable income, it's really hard to follow Dave Ramsey's methods. That's right. Yeah,
0: that's right. Yep. You're right. Yeah. And, and I would say he, you know, he definitely got me fired up to be focused on my money so I can thank him for that. But as far as his advice on the debt snowball method, Maybe it was a good baby step, but I knew I didn't want to just take baby steps my entire life. Like, imagine if my, you know, I've got a young child now, and if she was still doing baby steps at age six, I'd have some concerns, not to mention age 36, right? So I wanted to run a marathon in my life. I wanted big things for my life, and I still do. So when I stumbled across this this strategy using a modernized form of whole life insurance, categorically different from what Dave talks about. On his radio show, I was stunned. So kind of allow me to explain this and then I'll talk about how I used it to pay off my debt. Whole life insurance is different than term insurance. Term insurance, you rent it for a little bit of time and then it expires on you. Usually the term insurance expires before we do. 99% of term insurance doesn't pay out a death claim which is a, a reason why it's so cheap, you know, if, <laughs> if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So renting an insurance policy is fine. It's totally fine to do. But whole life insurance is more like owning in that the policy allows you to build up wealth inside of it. Kind of like you build up equity inside your home when you own a house.
1: That's interesting. I've never heard of whole life insurance before.
0: Yeah, it's uh, several hundred years old. Uh, and it's uh it's little known i think to most people but uh we've all heard of term insurance through our our job if we have one but yep. whole life insurance doesn't just have a death benefit it has a living benefit too called cash value and this cash value is what really captured my attention first and foremost it is a asset that you can own you can use and this asset this cash value grows on a guaranteed basis every single year. We're recording this right when the stock market is down 25, 35%, depending on what index you're watching. But all of my whole life policies that I have, have hit all-time record highs this year. And they will next year too. And the year after that, on a guaranteed contractual basis, these policies have more cash in them this year than they did last year. So that's the first thing. I loved seeing those numbers. I could actually build a financial plan with that kind of a rock-solid yield. Now, they're going to do middle single-digit returns, nothing too fancy. But there's also a second piece to this, which is it's accessible money. So I don't treat the whole life policy like a you know a juicy investment with speculate, speculative returns. I treat it more like a savings bucket, like a souped-up savings bucket. And this money is accessible to me. So unlike an investment like a 401k, I can get access to the cash in that cash value and use it for whatever I want. So maybe I want to start a business or invest in some real estate or pay off my student loans or buy a car or retire. Whatever I want to do with the money, it's my cash. So that's the second piece. Third, it is life insurance. So it solved that issue that I wanted to take care of for my family, just getting that set up. And then fourth and finally, and then I'll hush before we move on to wherever you want to take this, uh, whole life insurance, if it's designed a very specific way, I call it the bank-on-yourself design, bank-on-yourself type whole life policies allow you to borrow against them so you can access them like a bank and pay off in your, your your own debts or whatever, but the cash value continues to grow as if you didn't borrow the money, even on the capital you borrowed. So say, for example, you have $50,000 that you've accumulated in your cash value of this policy, let's say. Okay. And let's say you borrowed out thirty grand to go buy that same car we just talked about, thirty thousand dollars car. You bought it, you paid cash for it. You, you're driving off the lot. It's yours. It's your. You got the title. It's your car. The policy will continue to compound and grow on the full fifty thousand bucks, even the thirty thousand dollars that you borrowed out, as if you hadn't touched a dime of the money. To me, this is the best of both worlds because I still needed a car. But I didn't want to lose opportunity cost. I wanted to continue to compound that wealth for my future retirement or whatever else I might want to do with the money. So, so you you think- maybe maybe you can start to see how I use this now to pay off all my student loans as well.
1: Yeah, that is, that's fantastic. It, that's not a product that, and I'm I consider myself a finance nerd. That's not something that I knew about, and I think a lot of people who listen to this, probably they're familiar with life insurance Mm -hmm. and they'll get the life insurance policy as a just in case thing without seeing like insurance is kind of like a safety net. It's not something that we, Mm -hmm. we don't see the benefits of it until we're already in a, oh shit situation.
0: Exactly. Well, yeah, you're so right. And when I first heard about this, it didn't make sense. It was like trying to explain the internet to an aunt. You know, I literally didn't get what he was saying. He was like, how do you save money in an insurance policy, I mean, I was trying to imagine like how do you borrow against your car insurance, for example? that's just seems doesn't sounds absurd, right? How do you do that? Um as it happens, life insurance is the only insurance contract that is guaranteed to pay out. You think about health insurance, you might not ever use it. your fire insurance on your house, you might not ever use it. Life insurance, it's gonna happen someday, hopefully decades from now, but it's gonna happen someday. So that's a key piece to this. The second is that many insurance policies are simply uh a just in case. There is no asset that you're building up. You know, so when you have a you know life insurance policy that's term insurance it's a just in case kind of a contract. Or a health insurance policy is just in case. But you know how some health insurance policies also have a health savings account? Yes. You heard of those? Yeah, so yeah. I, I want you to kind of think about that in this case, because life insurance cash value is sort of like that health savings account, except there's no prohibition on using the money for anything. I don't have to like spend it on medical stuff like I do with an HSA.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, It's a cash value I can spend to take my family to Disney World if I want to.
1: And an HSA, I, the, my experience with HSA is like if you use it or lose it. So I normally don't opt in for one.
0: Right, yeah. right. Yeah, um, and FSAs specifically have that feature where you can lose it, use it or lose it.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: uh yeah, you're right. There's a there's a, a number of I guess there's some red tape that you have to jump through with many financial products. 401ks. Yeah. You cannot touch them until you're 59 and a half or you get penalized. IRAs, they'll get taxed in the future. And you can't put more than six grand a year into the things. Uh, 529 plans, only good for your college or college education, expen- qualified education expenses. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. What I was fa- uh, finding so compelling about this one tool was that I could use it for really all of my life's needs. Forgive the pun here, but it's a whole life <laughs> solution, right? So yeah. what did I do with it? I, I started saying, all right, let me follow a new process. I So step one of the debt snowbank method for those interested Step one, stay current on all your debts. Don't miss any payments. Keep current. Keep the minimum payments going out the door. Step two, instead of doing the snowball method where you throw all your money or or the avalanche method um, where you're throwing all your money at one account, make that account your bank instead of somebody else's. Now, I'm not talking about an FDIC insured bank account. I'm talking about a whole life policy designed this bank on yourself way. And what you do is you throw as much cash into that policy as you comfortably can, building up massive amounts of cash value. And I want you to imagine now there's two piles of money. There's the big pile of debt that you have, and it's slowly coming down as you're making your minimum payments. But at the same time, you're also packing tons of cash into your policy. So you're seeing that cash value rise quickly, very quickly. Generally, whole life policies, when we design them this way, have somewhere between 8 and 40 times as much cash as the old-fashioned stuff that Dave Ramsey loves to hate on. So that whole life cash is building, accelerating quickly. So it's going up and the debt's coming down. So you can guess what step three is. In step three, we borrow against the policy to pay off the student loans one at a time or the credit card debt or the car loan or the personal loan, whatever it is you're building up that asset in your policy then you're borrowing against it to wipe out the crooks that you owe money to the banksters the credit yes. card companies all right the difference here is you didn't just throw your money out the door your policy step 4 your policy continues to grow and compound like you never accessed the money it's still earning interest and dividends and those dividends are you know are are accumulating the wealth in the co- policy's cash value even on the amount you borrowed to wipe out the debt. So then on step five and the final step, pay back the loan on your own terms to yourself. So loans against whole life insurance are non-recourse. That's a fancy way of saying there's no required repayment plan. You can skip six months if you need to take a break. You can pay a hundred bucks a month. You can pay nothing until you're ready to three years from now and you have your full-time job. Your call on how and when you pay off that loan. If you never pay off the loan and you pass away with the loan policy in force, they'll just deduct the loan balance from your death benefit when you pass away.
1: Okay, so that that makes a lot of sense. So when you do take a loan against your whole life insurance plan, will there be any interest when you're paying it back?
0: Great question. Yes, that's how they call it a loan. And All so right. that's why we're able to get the money out uh, as a loan. Um, now, meanwhile, remember, your policy is growing like there is no loan. So let me give you a case in point example with real live numbers. Let's say that you borrowed 10 grand. Let's make it bigger. Let's make it 50 grand. How about that? 50 right. grand. 50 grand. We're going to uh, pay off a big fat student loan for 50 grand. All right. So let's say that you did this. You borrowed against the policy. You paid off the the um, the student loan for 50,000 bucks. And then let's say on your own terms. I love this. You get to choose how fast or how much or if you pay off your loan, which I just think is so cool. You remain in control in that process. But let's say you chose to pay it off over 4 years. All right, the way the loan interest works on these policies, the interest would be about 3,800 bucks of interest paid on 50 grand over 4 years.
1: Okay. That's lower than
0: a credit card or any loan. Way less. Yeah. That, that for the math nerds out there, that equates to about a 1.9% APR annual percentage rate. That is darn cheap access to cash. But a lot of folks will still stop me. If Dave was Mr. Ramsey was on this podcast with us, he'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You just paid interest on your own money. You know, you could have just paid that student loan off for 50 grand. Why in the world? Did you throw 53,800 bucks into your, you know, did you pay an extra 3,800 bucks of interest to your own policy? Why would you do that? And the answer is simple, because I want to. (laughs) All right. Remember, the policy was continuing to grow on a compound basis over that same four-year period. And if we get even modest, you know, average yield on these policies, we can expect about $12,100 of gains. I'm doing my math with my calculator right now, about $12,100 of gains over the same four-year period. So let's kind of summarize this. I realize we're doing numbers on a podcast, which can be tricky. So um, yeah, you earned 12100 bucks, mm-hmm. but you paid 3800 bucks of interest. This means you had about 8300 bucks, roughly of arbitrage. You earned more than you spent.
2: Okay, <laughs> so- yeah. This makes
0: all the all the sense in the world to me if I'm going to make a major purchase. Now, student loans are one thing, but imagine how this might work for your car payments or your real estate investing or your business investment. I mean, I can't see myself paying cash for any major purchase ever again.
1: That's, that's a good point because I'm the kind of... And I know like Dave Ramsey always says, well, cash is king. You always got to spend cash, but not everybody has the ability to do that. And when it comes to... You know, using your plan versus paying it off holistically, your plan can in a way, and correct me if I'm wrong, reduce the overall cost of what you'd be paying for interest.
0: The, the biggest problem with paying, you're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. So I would much prefer the debt snow bank method over paying a, you know, a finance company for a car loan or a student loan ever again, that's for sure. Yeah. But in absolutely. my opinion, it even beats paying cash. And here's why. The truth is, and the big aha for my young financial life was somebody told me once, Mark, you finance everything you buy. Everything. Even if you pay cash, you're still financing it. Because either you pay interest to a banker through a financing operation like a credit card or car loan, or you pay cash and you pass up the interest you might have earned on that money had you left it invested instead. In fact, I'm financing it from my future self. When I pay cash, I I steal from my future self. I might have 30 grand in my pocket today, but it would have been 200 grand in my pocket 40 years from now, let's say, for example. So, I have no intention of stealing from my future self. I want to be kind to my future self. You know, there's that old Simpsons episode where Homer is drinking some sort of concoction of like vodka and mayonnaise or something. And uh, Marge comes up to him and is oh. like, do you know the one I'm talking about? She's like, you know, uh, aren't you, what, what about future Homer? And and <laughs> Homer says, Oh, future Homer oh, sucks to be that guy. And he just takes another swig. Ah. I don't want to be Homer.
1: No, now Homer Simpson is the example of pretty much what, I mean, it's like, do you want to spend the rest of your life in a bar right, all the time and just, you know, pushing buttons at a plant that, yeah, that's something that's like, yeah. Every time I think of Homer Simpson, I think of him saying, don't, and yeah. uh, all the self-destructive behavior of beer and donuts. And- that's
0: right. The He's, exact uh, opposite I mean- of what I think you or I want to be. Um, So again, paying cash is better than financing, I guess, because it proves you can save. But that's all it can prove because really every time I spend money, how much interest am I now earning on the money I spent? Nothing. So I've broken compound growth on that money and I'll never see it work for me ever again. It's going to work for somebody else now. All right. So now when I use my policy to buy my big purchase, whether it's a car or investing or whatever it is. At least now I continue to get the compound growth on my policies cash value, and I get the asset, whatever it was. I get the vacation. And you know, case in point, my wife and I, soon after we paid off some of our student loans, we took a month-long trip to Hawaii and it was a big vacation for us, and we spent big money to do it at, at our age at that point. That was a big deal. And Absolutely. so, man, big deal for anybody. And guess where we pulled the money from? Yeah, from one of our policies. And while we were there, literally, while we were there on the beaches of Hawaii, uh, we got a little notice saying we had just received our annual dividend on one of our policies that we had borrowed from to go on that trip. And it was the exact same dividend, the exact same interest that we would have earned on that policy had we not taken the trip. Now, come on, that is a guilt-free vacation. So uh, am I saying everyone should go do that? No, there's cost to the insurance. It takes time. It's a long-term financial strategy. Not everybody can or should put money into a whole life policy. And it does take a lot of discipline. But for those that have the long term view, if you're not just looking for overnight returns, it's at least something to consider and look into. I wish someone had told me this, you know, when I was 15, 18, you know, as as young as possible to get that compound growth started.
1: That's amazing. And this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg of what. I am tip of the iceberg. It's just like a facet and a diamond of what you offer and your services. I know you are, you know, you coach people on Bitcoin and a lot of forms of cryptocurrency. You um, talk about, you know, being able to grow wealthy while paying taxes. So you're a certified Mm -hmm. financial planner and a best-selling author. How can somebody get started into the right direction and work with you?
0: I I would thank you for that. And I'd say the the first thing to do is Ignore everything I just said and ask yourself, what do you want your money doing for you? Remember, uh, I, I loved what you said. We were told. That's such yep. an insightful little phrase. You know, We were told. So what do you, listener, what do you want your money doing for you? I can't answer that. I'm not going to be your money guru. Nobody else should tell you what to do with your money. Guess what? Everybody else has a plan for your money. And if you're not careful, it'll go work for them instead of continuing to work for you. Uh, So the first thing I would suggest, and this is totally free, is just grab a sheet of paper or something and start writing down characteristics. Don't write down names of products. Don't write down whole life insurance. Don't write down 401k. Don't write down credit card. Don't write down Bitcoin. Don't write any of that stuff down. Write down functions. Write down verbs. Write down adjectives. Things like tax-free. Things like guaranteed to grow for me, guaranteed to grow. How about competitive rate of return? How about beats inflation? How about liquidity, access to my money? How about privacy, keeping my money away from people who don't need to see that I have it? Okay, these are the some of the things you might start writing down to give your brain a chance to not be biased by what other people are telling you to do, but instead what you want your money doing for you. Because where you put your money makes it act differently. Right. You know, a brokerage account is altogether different from a savings account. They yep. act different. They're taxed different. There's different volatility. And, and we, sometimes, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, we as humans are going to act differently depending on what setting we're in.
0: So well said. We're yeah.
1: Think about our money as well.
0: Well said. Well, hey, I got a couple of fishies out in an aquarium here in my house. And guess what? They are completely dependent on their environment. Mm-hmm. and my my daughter and i we feed them every day we keep their water at the right temperature you know we clean the fish tanks regularly but if we were like you know whatever evil overlords or something uh yeah we could turn up the heat or lower it down we could mess with that little environment and those fishies would be dead but if you keep them in a nice happy environment they're going to multiply and that's what you want your money to do too you want your money to multiply so it has to be in the right environment so that's the starting point jot down a list of what you think your environment should look like? What's the temperature on your money? <laughs> what kind of food should it be fed? And then if you want, we can chat about it. Uh, we do sit down, have 15 minutes strategic introductions with folks. Um, if you'd like, I'll share our, we've got a little website you can go to, to, to get to know me, find our podcast yes. and more. Uh, it's a,
1: as well. Oh,
0: thank you. Okay. Yep. Yeah, um, for those listening, it's kickstartwithmark.com. That's kickstart with mark with a K.com. You can get a lot of your questions answered there. You can find more about us and our firm. You can have a 15 minute chat on my calendar. Uh, So that's where it all starts. And we can see if this or other tools is a good fit.
1: Wonderful. And then do you want to tell everybody about your podcast and your book that they can check out as well?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. There's a um podcast we've had a lot of fun putting together over the last five years. I guess that makes us like great grandparents in the podcast years? space. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh,
1: you're yeah, you're a pioneer in podcasting.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny to say, just so crazy. It feels like we're still just starting though, you know. I think the the world is is uh we're we're here to stay for as far as the eye can see. But yeah, the name of the show is called Not Your Average Financial Podcast. And we've got over 250 episodes uh, where we are helping folks think differently about their money, looking at tax strategies, investment strategies, uh, more about this whole life insurance. We've got a whole podcast series on debt payoff. Uh, So lots to consider, lots to think about, but we want to think differently about our economies, our future, our money. And that's what we try to do at Not Your Average Financial Podcast. And the books are all there on that website as well.
1: Wonderful. Well, Mark, you have provided a wealth of information. I mean, information that I feel like I'm not getting from a lot of financial gurus I listen to. And I listen to a lot. I'm very open-minded. I like to hear what different people have to say about their different experiences. And you just brought so much value and so much new ideas to me and the listeners. So thank you so much for being on the show. Everybody go out and check out Mark's podcast, Not Your Average Financial podcast kickstart with Mark. And if you're in a situation where you want your money to act differently, you want to put it in a different environment, go ahead and connect with Mark.
0: Thank you very much for having me on.
1: Yeah. Thank you for being on.
2: Listening to For Better Self and Net Worth. In this community, we think you'll find your self worth comes before your net worth and everything else. We also think you were designed to go after the life you want by ditching societal norms, knowing exactly who you are as an individual and going after your unique purpose here on this earth every week ella interviews an entrepreneur that designed the life they wanted among the challenges naysayers and leaving outside their comfort zone or you're going to hear straight from ella where she talks about the important lessons she's learned in life and how she's achieved the overall happiness she has This is Ella, the host for Better Self and Net Worth. Based out of Nashville, Tennessee, she makes every single day an adventure. You'll always find her right here behind the microphone, sharing all her thoughts with all of you. And we appreciate you listening and hope you enjoy this episode.